in the aggregate, I'd say the game was uh, exactly what you would want for the return of a rivalry game like that. There were weird bounces. There were emotional swings. There were momentum swings. There were big plays. There were bad plays, and the crowd was into it. I think that game proved the the power of the rivalry, the power of bringing those two programs back together, and I'm all for that being the opener every single year if, if it works out. Um, obviously, without the conference alignment of Pitt and West Virginia, there really isn't there isn't uh, you know conference championship implications. So you know, later in the season would would be kind of a an odd spot just from the standpoint of it would it would kind of fit into that you know end of the season rivalry. But that that again, when you're talking college football playoff and now an expanded college football playoff, which was announced yesterday, moving to 12 teams in 2026. That game can kind of get lost. It doesn't get lost on Labor Day weekend, I can tell you that. And uh, the 70,622 fans that were in were absolutely lit the whole night. So I love it. I love the game and certainly loved the result. I want to give a shout-out to PGT Trucking. We are presented by PGT Trucking. We're driven by Beaver County Automotive. And again, this is Panther Insider. Give me a call, 412-928-9370. We got a call already. Matt Matt from Charlotte, North Carolina. Matt, how you doing? Doing wonderful. Thank you for taking my call, Pat, and hail to Pitt. Hail to Pitt. Hey, you know, I was at the game there, and I've never been in a greater college football environment. I uh, live in the South now. My sons go to ACC schools, and uh, but even though I went to Pitt, and I'm a Pitt alum, this culture there Thursday night match, anything I've seen in some of the greatest SEC venues, and just the energy was amazing. So just shout out to all Pitt fans. But the, you know, the, the one of the questions they have around their defense is these these young linebackers. There was some there was some pretty ugly stuff watching those long runs. And do you think we can get our linebacker situation get these kids to grow up quick enough before the, the Tennessee game? Thanks. Thanks again. You got it, Matt. Yeah, thanks for the call. Um, I, that was that's part of the bad, and it, it Pat Narduzzi would say it's part of the ugly of this game. It was giving up 190 yards on the ground, and it was really 219 without sack yardage. I mean, there there were some gaping holes. The, the Donaldson kin for West Virginia, and I want to give them a lot of credit. They're they're a good football team. They're better than I thought they'd be. Um, up front, both sides of the ball, they they played hard. They're physical. Uh, they're going to give Big 12 teams a lot of problems, but. Um, no, there were just some fit issues. You know, I, one guy that, that did not play his best game in his first start was Bengali Kamara. You know, he was kind of – he's that overhang outside linebacker. And a lot of times you know, his job is to, you know, once it's it's declared run, is to fit back inside, you know, inside that defensive end uh, off the slot. And that's where that ball was bending back. And it was coming out the back door through that backside C-gap. And he's got to – he's got to you know, be able to fit that – fit that run because all flow is strong side and it was bending back, you know, to that backside C gap where he's got to fit and he's got to, he's got to be firm. And he was, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a lot of times in that football game. So I think, you know, again, Pitt fans probably noticed that Brandon George didn't play. Um, hopefully he's on the mend. You know, got a little dinged up in camp and um, be interesting when he gets back. He's a, he's a veteran guy that's played a lot of football. Uh, Servasier Dennis w- was terrific. Uh, I thought Shane Simon made some plays, 
But um, you know, with Brandon George back, hopefully here soon, you wonder if if Servassier can't move around a little bit because again, you're going to play a lot of detached, you know, tight end flex teams where you're going to have that same run scheme, that that same you know kind of RPO bend back inside zone. That if you don't get you know a proper fit from that overhang linebacker, it's going to be a It'll be a long night for you, and it was a long night for Pitt stopping the run. Uh, there were times when they were really good, but but that one particular run, especially from that Donaldson kid, was uh, was a problem. It, w- it was a problem, and I agree on the atmosphere. By the way, it was it was awesome. But yeah, that's that's kind of the where I wanted to start was kind of the the ugly and the and the bad of the game, and and then go to positive here in a little bit. We'll go back out to the phone line. St- Steve from Cranberry, how you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing pretty well, Pat. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'd echo what the um, previous caller said. I've gone to pit games, you know, for well over a decade now, and I've never been in an environment in that stadium, Steelers or pit like that. It was just awesome. But uh, my biggest question, I would love to get a quarterback's perspective on this. From a fan's perspective, I thought one of the biggest things in Kenny Pickett's progression from his junior to senior season was just his feel in the pocket. He left a ton of clean pockets, it seemed like, early in his career. And he really, it seemed like, could keep his eyes downfield and kind of sense where that pressure was and move. Um, that's the biggest thing that concerns me with what I saw with uh, Slovis. I, there were several times where, whether he stepped up and didn't feel the defender behind him or was scrambling out and didn't know where the defender was, it seemed like he really just wasn't aware of his surroundings. I was just wondering your thoughts on that. Yeah, Steve, great question. Thanks for the call. Uh, I, I would agree. I mean, I think of the five sacks, which is part of the ugly in that game, um, can't happen. And uh, I thought two probably were on the O-line, um, O-line in the protection unit, and three I think were avoidable. The 14-yard sack is inexcusable, uh, particularly on first and 10. I mean, that is just a critical error. That That's a, that's a losing play. Um, but uh, I would agree that I thought WVU did a great job retracing. Um, I thought they did a great job when he would flush the pocket. Uh, they did a great job, you know, getting upfield, rushing past the quarterback, and then doubling back and making plays on him. But he's got to feel that. And I thought at times he flushed the pocket. He flushed the pocket unnecessarily. Um, and they did a good job in coverage. They play a match quarters defense, so sometimes they're going to match you up. But I also thought that, you know, there was a little bit of uh, you know him having to see it to believe it in that game. Until that last drive, you know, he's at his best. Keaton Slovis is a rhythm passer. You know, Kenny could could improvise and make plays, but Kenny turned into more of a rhythm, rhythm passer later in his career. And I thought he was just a touch late all night. And um, if you're a touch late, it, it means you're not only a touch late to your primary receiver, you're going to be even more late to your secondary receiver. And then obviously getting to your check down is going to be going to be even more difficult. And, and obviously his time clock's got to operate faster, but – you know, for his stat line to be what it was, obviously he avoided a pick that was out of bounds, fortunately. Um, I thought that last drive, that 92-yard drive, was uh, was excellent. And um, I think there's a lot of good football left for Keaton Slovis and a lot he's going to learn from watching this tape here uh, over this weekend. That's another uh, part of the, uh, the ugly, and I appreciate this getting teed up with, um, you know, the sacks and really the lack of – Lack of movement on the offensive line running the ball. I mean, Rodney Hammond was a you know, was a six offensive lineman himself in that game, making plays. Um, I think Frank Signetti wanted to come out and find if they could pound the football and and move move uh, West Virginia off the ball. Credit West Virginia. The Stills kid's a great player. They were not able to do that. 
not consistently um, for that matter. But I think Frank Signetti might have learned a little bit, you know, about this offense, right? You know, didn't have Carter Johnson in this game. And, um, you know, he's a guy who's going to make a difference at tight end. Threw out a lot of six, seven offensive line sets trying to impose their will. And, you know, perhaps um, they found out that, that maybe they're a little bit more of a, of a two tight end, maybe three wide receiver team than, than Frank Signetti thought they could be coming out of camp. I mean, that's something you learn, right? You, you never know whether your, your success in camp is all, all a product of one unit being really good and the other unit being really good too, but just, just getting beat, or is it deficiencies that, you know, that, that align, that, that you know, a strength against a weakness? Because I would not have thought coming out of camp that, that Pitt's run game wouldn't be effective in this opener and that Pitt's run defense would, would be ineffective as well. Um, you know, it was, uh, I thought that was good on good in camp, and it turned out to, to be, you know, a, a bugaboo uh, in, that, in that opener against West Virginia. Um, so run defense, run offense, and pass protection were, were a concern, um, you know, for me in that game, coming out of that game. And um, I think there, there are a lot of parties that are culpable, culpable for that um, as, you look at the, as you look at the tape, and including the quarterback. And there were some, you know, some miscues, uh, some alignment issues, some, just some first game stuff that you're going to have. I mean, guys running the same route, um, landmark problems on deep balls. There, there's one or two, I mean – the deep ball to Mumpfield, you know, Keaton had to get – this is what people tend not to see. Keaton had to get that ball up early. He got smacked off a of play action. And that ball that, that ball drops four yards from Mumpfield, you know, running under it for a touchdown. And then Bob Means had a deep ball that was uh, right in his hands. But, again, if you, if you notice the detail of it, he's running a post, and his angle's a little bit flatter than where Slovis throws the ball. So he's got to kind of track it over his left shoulder. He's running from – left to right on a deep post, and he's got to reroute a little bit over his left shoulder. That makes it a very difficult catch, as opposed to having a higher angle and coming flatter, meeting the ball, uh, and going with your momentum. So, again, little, little details that can, can be big problems when you're trying to, to beat a good football team, which West Virginia, which West Virginia was. Um, you know, another, just continuing this, again, love your calls, 412-928-937. Another issue was, I thought the the obviously the block punt was was a was a disaster, um, you know. And for the most part, I mean, Vanderhaar he's a he's a freshman. I know he's 25 years old. He kicks with both feet. There's a lot of there's a lot of appeal and uh, and uh, intrigue there. For the most part, I thought he was fine. I mean, there, this is not going to be the prettiest punt in the world, guys. I, that's just it's not going to be that. It's a, it's a rugby style kick that's going to go end over end and. But he, that's how he was brought up. That's, that's what a lot of teams do. When you watch games today, watch it. You're going to see 50-50, maybe 60-40 rugby punt. Um, but that block punt, you, know, you, you watch it. He took an extra step, which uh, Coach Narduzzi talked about after the game as being an you know, artificial hang time. He can kind of feel the rush. And there were only three guys rushing there. Only three guys rushing. And they, and, and they had five in the block. So obviously there was a protection problem. But he got to feel that and get that ball out of there. And I mean, it, it creates a, a, just a kick-in touchdown uh, on a block punt to start the second half. I mean, that's one of the momentum swings that's easily avoidable. Um, coming out of halftime, again, you're punting the football, but it's a 10-10 game at that point. And all of a sudden, you spot them seven just like that, and the momentum just flips in the entire place. So um, it, there, there's, there's critical errors like that, that against a good Tennessee team, which this is a good – Tennessee football team coming in next Saturday on September 10th, 3, 3.30 kick at Acrisure Stadium. 
you, you can't have that happen. Absolutely can't have that happened and uh, needs to be improved upon. Needs to be improved upon. But again, I want to take this first segment to, to just kind of post-mortem this game. And it's not post-mortem. This isn't a funeral. This is a uh, celebration because it was a win. But you know, this is what this is what's happening down on the south side in the practice facility today. There's some some real discussion about what happened and who who we are. Moving from the ugly to the bad, I thought you know the ball hit the ground too much in the game. You know, obviously the bub means fumble. Terrific play. You know, catching that ball and getting upfield, but went to tuck it and just one of those freak deals that happens. Just slipped right out through his left arm. He came back later and made a terrific catch late in the game um, on the sideline on, a, on a, a contested catch. And again, has an opportunity to be a real big playmaker for this team. But uh, his fumble, Sebo Flemister went in there for one play and, and hit the ball hit the ground. And that was really the end of his night. Um, it, obviously, it's uh, that can't happen. And, and um, But the Panthers were able on, on their one fumble that was taken away to get it back and uh, we'll talk about that in our next segment when we go through the good component of of uh, the Pitt West Virginia game and the W the legendary win that it was and obviously we can't we, we, we can't help but talk about you know guys that were dinged up in that game and um, obviously Deslin Alexander went out first in that first half and looked he went right to the tunnel looked to be you know an, a, an arm type of injury which he's had a He's had a shoulder in the past, and we'll see what, what the deal is with that. A, a two-time captain, but concern for him. Obviously, he's a, a playmaker, a consistent playmaker, and um, need him there. And then Rodney Hammond exited the game after the targeting call and looked like, if you watch the replay, looked like he really twisted his ankle up. So we'll hope for a good update on both of them uh, here next week. 